is Orson Welles, speaking from London. The Black Museum is the repository of death. Yes, here in the grim stone structure on the Thames, which houses Scotland Yard, is a warehouse of homicide, where everyday objects, a glass ashtray, a porcelain vase, an electric fan... All are touched by murder. There's a piece of iron chain. It's a familiar object. Might be a bar on a gravel driveway. It might rest in an emergency truck. A use in towing an automobile. It might. In this case, it was the cause of death. Remember this, Bodwin? Hey, of course, Inspector. You knew, didn't you, we just about then closed the file on the Pelt killing? Yes, you told me. It's just as well there's no statute of limitations on murder. And today, that train can be seen in its place in the Black Museum. Investigation Department of the London Police, we bring you the dramatic stories of the crimes recorded by the objects in Scotland Yard's Gallery of Death, the Black Museum. Yes. Well, 
It's a horrible sound. Apparently, the good inspector had his own ideas about this ghost. In fact, after Joan Tomlinson left his office. Interested, Preston? In ghosts? <laughs> Little, sir? Uh, in good-looking air, this is sudden. <laughs> oh, that, sir. Uh, no, sir. Uh, but it might be possible that someone else is, or in her property. Perhaps. Well, uh, look into it, Preston. If we don't, the odds are the young lady will be back until we do. Let me have a report in the morning. The morning was eight hours away. Sergeant Preston walked up the quiet street in the London suburb where each house stood alone in its own plot of ground. Even in the inadequate light in the street lamps, the sergeant could see something of well-kept lawn and trenches. He turned into the concrete driveway, skirted two garages and attendant back gardens, finding his way to a screened back porch where a light showed briefly. You came, Sergeant. Thank you for the light. My torch. I didn't want you to try the wrong house. This way. I thought we'd wait in the upstairs sitting room. Whatever you think best, Mist. It's your ghost. Yes, isn't it? The stairs are this way. The sergeant felt rather than saw in the darkness that it was a large house. Seemed to be several rooms on the ground floor. And upstairs, they passed three closed doors before they entered the sitting room, which finally extended the full width of the building. That's the comfortable chair. It was father's. Thank you, miss. A drink? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, I'll smoke, if I may. Yes, of course. When does he come? Midnight? Any time after I've gone to bed. Usually. Around now. Now, he will... 
It won't come back until tomorrow night. I see. Only once a night. Yes. Well, don't you want to search the house or anything? Well, Sergeant, don't you? If this thing is human, there ought to be some trace, Sergeant. Pardon me. A week ago, Sergeant. But, well, I, I like my own room, and, and if it isn't my father, he won't harm me. He'd never do that. You're very certain of that, aren't you, young lady? Aren't you a bit confused? If you believe that, why worry? Why go to the police to the yard? Why be frightened of a fatherly ghost? Well, the sergeant asks that. I know, I know, but I wanted someone else to hear him. I was scared. Maybe I was imagining things. I'll be all right, sergeant. I expect I'm safe in my own house. And so you send the sergeant on his way. The sergeant who ought to have searched the house. You take him down the back stairs and out the back door, Joan. You go upstairs alone to your own room and start to undress. Talk to yourself. Give yourself courage. Stop it, Joan Thomas. Stop it here. There's nothing to be afraid of. You're not going crazy. You're... What's that? What? Why? The monster. Oh, no. No. Tomlinson, 
do you have any next of kin? That is, anyone who might uh, benefit if anything happened to you? Hmm. Only some second cousins. I haven't seen them in years. They live in London? Oh, I know. Um, there was Larry Toke. He was in, in Manchester. I had a note after Father died. And uh, Jenny Hennessy, he lives in Norwich. Yes, I think. And yes, of course. Ruth Carstairs. Father spoke of her. She's a school teacher. The oldest. A school in Bristol. Impossible, Inspector. None of them... None of them would uh, want you out of the way. No, of course not. I see. Then, how do you account for this submission, Sergeant? Yes, sir. Here it is. But... In the cellar of your house, under some umbrella bags, right near the furnace, Miss Tomlinson. The furnace, with its tin ducts to the registers in the room above. Many a youngster used these echoing ducts to imitate a ghost or to overhear what was going on in another room. As I said before, Miss Thomason, this is a mighty corporeal ghost. He saw through stairs. He uses hot air ducts to amplify his voice, and he carries his own sound effects. I don't like this any more than Sergeant Preston does, Miss. I don't like it at all. Telk case 
was in your hands. Aye, that's correct, sir. Well, how far did you get? No motive, nothing. Just this man, Pelt, walking home alone on a July night, toward 11, a dark street, a carving knife in his back. That's all. A night train to Norwich. Another police headquarters, another detective. Anxious to cooperate. Here it is, Inspector. All we have on the Hennessy case. Tell me about it, Wilson. Hit and run, driver. I checked the scene myself. Hennessy was hit on the sidewalk. Looked as if some drunk had driven right up on the walk and crushed the man against the building wall. And so a pattern emerges. Two men die, quite unexpectedly, but in this case, no clues, no indication that there was purpose or motive, except that a third man died quite naturally in London, and his daughter was the victim of deliberate fright, and all those involved were related to each other. Why, as a pattern emerges. Continued in Bristol. All right, Appleby. Uh, what have you on the cast here, woman? A schoolteacher. I believe she was... Um, uh, yes, uh, retired, quiet, uh, the usual, until she took some headache remedy the night of July the 12th. Unfortunately for her, someone had put strychnine in the bottle. I know that kind of death. Nasty. Anything else? Some prints on the bottle. Not hers. She smudged them with her own when she took the bottle out of the medicine cabinet. Her landlady said she had a visitor the day before, but she usually did. Former students, all that sort of thing. Mind if I go over and see that landlady? Oh, not at all. The name is Ross. Help yourself. Quite a talker, that woman. It was a semi-detached villa with a vacancy sign on the door. Mrs. Ross was indeed quite a talker. Inspector Hull let her talk. At least 15 years. Oh, a wonderful woman, Inspector, sir. So many of our students come to see her, even after she retired. The kind of teacher you don't find nowadays. I know exactly what you mean, ma'am. And she was so happy that day. What with her cousin being here the day before and all. Her cousin, Mrs. Ross? Yes, I remember it clearly. She called. She was going out for a bit of cake for tea. Now that her cousin, Michael Stroud, had come to see her. A new name. Another cousin. One Michael Stroud, carefully now, Inspector. Carefully. You don't happen to know where he was from now, do you, ma'am? Oh, from London. I have the address. Found an envelope in the waste paper basket while I was clearing out the poor thing's room. Did you tell this to the police? No, sir. They were so busy with their bustle and dust and everything for fingerprints, they say. Yes, 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 of course. Uh, now, Mrs. Ross, uh, may I have that address, please? That is, uh, if you still have it. A teletype message travels much faster than a train from Bristol to London. By the time the inspector reached his office, Sergeant Preston was waiting with the answer. We've been there, sir. A Michael Stroud had a flat at the address, but he's moved and left no forwarding address. Oh, well. When did he move out? July 13, sir. The day after the Carstairs woman died. When the quarry is escaping... What do you do? Well, the least you can do is close some of the gaps in the situation. Try to develop motive and opportunity. The inspector permitted Joan Tomlinson to leave the hospital and to proceed in his company to the office of a solicitor. Now, sit down, Joan. And to Inspector. Oh, thank you, Mr. Thomas. Thank you. I, uh, I gather something is amiss. Mr. Thomas, we have reason to believe that three people have died because of Miss Tomlinson's inheritance, and that her own life is in danger. Well, that's unbelievable, sir. It usually is. 
However, the three who are dead are all uh, were all second cousins of Miss Tomlinson, her next of kin. What we are here to find out is, does the will under which she inherits her property state to whom that property devises in the event of her death? Mm, not exactly. Uh, that is, if she dies intestate, the property under the law would pass to her next of kin in equal shares, of course. Uh, Mr. Thomas, yes. with all her second cousins dead, a third cousin will be next in line? Correct? Oh, absolutely. Of course, uh, I know of no such relative, sir. Unfortunately, sir, we do. His name is Michael Stroud. His whereabouts at present are unknown. <laughs> Motive, present, very definitely present. Opportunity, obvious, and seized at least three times in Manchester, Norwich, and Bristol. As to the next move, the inspector outlined a plan, briefly. Miss Tomlinson, do you still believe in ghosts? Not anymore. Very well. Would you be afraid to stay in your house alone? I see I'm to be the bit of cheese in the trap. Correct, Inspector? Absolutely correct. Very well. When do we begin? Only well, began that night. Joan left the hospital, returned to her house. To the memories. To the now silent ducks. To the still chiming clock. The first night was uneventful. Others followed. Bit by bit, Joan slipped back into her normal everyday routine, a girl in her home with a servant during the day alone at night. The ghost. The three deaths in three cities. The inspector began to take on aspects of a dream. Reality was coming home after an evening in the city, going upstairs, listening to the little clock. Preparing for sleep, indulging in a little habit of talking to herself. There's nothing to worry about. Really nothing. He's gone away. Out of the country, maybe. Oh, forget Michael Stroud, Journey. Forget the whole thing. What's that? How are you, Joan? Feeling well and safe? Get out. Get out. That won't work, Jenny. You know I am your cousin, my Come to call. I, I never saw you before. In my life? I know, dear. And now that you have seen me, what else is there to live for? Oh, you, you couldn't get away with it. Oh, yes, I could. I can. I will. You'll be a lovely suicide, dear. Carbon monoxide from the register, from the furnace. Or maybe, yes, maybe they'll call it accidental death. Inspector Holler signed you. Oh? In that way, you are. I doubt it. He wasn't around to seize me tonight, was he? And I'm very good at hiding. More. Whenever time me to Cousin Larry or Cousin Jerry or Cousin... Larry. I know. They have. But a fingerprint. Ah, <laughs> oh, there now. That's their worry, not mine. Now sit down. In that chair. I will. Sit down. I have it planned perfectly, John. 
You'll sit down. I'll tie you in that chair, shut the windows, the door, turn on the heat. You'll be gagged, too. I forgot to mention that. You'll die. I'll come back, put you on the bed. No.